like I tried to do something different with the organization and it didn't pan out. And then I ended up with just a bit of a disaster on my hands. I had to go through the eviction process, which is, is never fun, but part of the job. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey listeners, it is Sarah Larby here and welcome back to another episode of Where Should I Invest? Super excited to be back this week with my guest, Eric Blencarn, who is a property manager and he is a property manager of a company called Eco Property Management, which is located in Hamilton and Brantford. And if you are not too sure if you want to manage your own properties or if you do and you want to gain some extra insights, this is going to be a great podcast for that. Personally, because I do a lot of the single family properties, I don't find that with the portfolio that I have right now and where I'm at that I necessarily need a property manager because I enjoy doing it. However, at some point I will need one either when I want to do a lot more traveling or when my portfolio is even bigger in size. That's probably going to be a good time for me. Now, some people from day one, they just don't want to manage any tenants or any of that, which is which is okay too. And that's why we've got property managers to help us with all of those things. So you really got to do what you enjoy doing at the end of the day. If you really don't enjoy self-managing, then look at property management. And if you have a multifamily property, sometimes you're going to get calls from the tenants about complaining about other tenants that one is loud and one is making noise, etc, etc. If you don't want to deal with any of that stuff, property management might be the way to go as well. So send me an email guys, let me know, do you self-manage your portfolio or do you have it managed by somebody else and why or why not? What was your reasoning behind? I'd love to hear from you guys and I hope you enjoy this podcast. So if you do, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review, that would be great. I really appreciate those of you that have left that and thank you if you are one of them. Really appreciate it. So let's get on with our interview. So Eric Blenkarn is here today on the show and Eric is a real estate investor doing it full time and he has been investing since he was 23. So for those of you out there that are in your 20s, there's never a time that's too early and for those of you that are older, there is never a time that's too late either. But anyways, welcome Eric to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. So I want to ask you so many questions because you've got like some amazing horror stories, some great stories. I mean, you've seen, you've seen and done so much, but let's start with how you got started into real estate investing. All right, let's do it. So what was your first property? So my first property was a property in Burlington and South Burlington. I was in between Walker's and Appleby line, like just around Lakeshore, like just South of New Street. So it was like a really, really good area. I was getting married. I had already proposed and I'm like, I need a house. Like, this is part of that, that plan. Like, this would, you gotta have a house. So I bought this house and I wanted a real estate invest, like an investment property. And it wasn't ideal. I remember going and looking at it and like being like, oh, okay, it splits itself in a duplex, but it was a back split and it was kind of awkward. 
But anyways, I bought the property and I bought it well before I got married. And I was like, why? I, I don't need all these expenses. So I'm going to rent it. I didn't rent it out properly. I rented it out to the first person that came to the showing. And I really lucked out. Like she ended up being an amazing, amazing tenant. But I did not do any like due diligence. Like I was just like, oh yeah, you look good. You look, yeah, you can pay. Great. You have a job. Sure. So but I now I know much better than that. Obviously, got lucky. I got lucky, and she was a great, great tenant. So I rented it out, and my plan was to rent it out for a year and a half until I actually got married and me and my wife would move in. But then things changed, and then I just kept renting it out, and me and my wife went to Toronto, and yeah, that, that's where we currently live. So. Okay. All right. Very cool. So when you bought the first investment property, how at 23, did you have any insights or input for, from your parents or did they think that you were crazy? Buying the house, they didn't think I was crazy, but investment properties, a lot of people think I was kind of crazy. I read a lot of books. So that's, that's, that was my, that was my main resource was just reading and like, like real estate investing in Canada and all these different books. I didn't join any organizations. I just, I just read and kind of hope for the best. And then, so what does your portfolio consist of today? It's about 14 at the moment. Okay. Um, it fluctuates, goes up, up and down. I'm always being a full-time real estate investor. Like sometimes you sell some, you know what I mean? Sell one, buy two. So I sold a couple last year. I pretty much sell a house, but my thing is sell, that pretty much sell to, to grow the portfolio. Okay. And, and so what is your real estate strategy for those out there wondering? So at the moment, like it, it's buy and hold. Well, I like I do kind of the burr as well, where like I renovate, buy, renovate, turn it into a duplex or basement apartment, and then refinance. I usually buy with private funds, renovate and refinance. I currently try to rent out to organizations, like organizations that help people in recovery, or like one of my properties is a, a woman's shelter, like abused women. I don't even know who's there. No idea who's living there right now. People move in there for a couple months at a time because they need place to go just to get out of their situation. And they go there and they wait like interim housing and then they wow. get moved to a better location. But I have no idea who's, who's there at the moment. <laughs> How does that work? So, cause you're probably the, one of the first people I've spoken to that does this kind of strategy. Are you working with a company then and the company is placing the women or how does that work? Yeah, so I work with non-for-profit organizations that, yeah, they're, they're, sent, they're, they're just there to help. Like I, there's one, Women's Services, or there's addiction, there's like youth programs as well, which I've worked with. And the organizations are great. You do have to vet the organizations. It's like anything, you have to see how they're run. They're not all great. I've had bad experiences with some, and I've had amazing experiences with others. So yeah, which I honestly, I've only learned through trial and error and with these different companies, but the good ones like are amazing because they pay pretty much market rent, very close to market rent. It's subsidized. So they, the organization pays me and then they cover a lot of the like damages, stuff like that. Like for example, with that woman's shelter, like they go in and they'll repaint it when it needs to be repainted. Build main building stuff I am responsible for, but a lot of like little wear and tear stuff they they cover, which is really nice. Cleaning. They do all the maintenance, they do the cleaning, they they take the tenants. So even if it's vacant, let's just say for a month, like you're still getting a check from them. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So, so with certain depends on the program you're in. For example, that women's services, like that, I that different setup I have with that organization. They pay me no matter what, who's in there. Other ones, 
it'll be it has to there has to be a tenant placed in there and then they'll be subsidizing that tenant's uh rent so i maybe i shouldn't ask this but like things like pests and like let's just say bed bugs because then i mean if there's a lot of people coming in and out and they've gone to different shelters and stuff has that been an issue at all with your properties no actually i've had that issue with my problem property management that's just that's a thing but not with any of the tenants that I've had through these programs also because they're checked up on some are checked like they have home visits every two weeks where like someone from the organization goes there checks up on them make sure they're doing well make sure the place is tidy so that's that's it's pretty amazing working with these organizations yeah no that's amazing that that is great so I think it's a it's a way to give back and still not necessarily lose money on your end depending I guess on which organization it is but yeah. So what are some, are you able to name some of the good ones so that if somebody wanted to search them and reach out, like, is there a specific ones that you would recommend? And so my, my target markets are Brantford and Hamilton. Okay. Hamilton, I work with Good Shepherd organization and Brantford. I'm kind of in transition right now between organizations. I don't want to name the one that okay. I was working with, okay. had like a little bit of a bad experience, but in Hamilton, I'd say Good Shepherd, a really good program. And they're, they're always looking for landlords as well, so. Okay, all right, good. So you mentioned the property management company a few times, and before this podcast, we were talking about some of the horror stories and yeah. some of the things that you have seen, and the list is pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh... tenants, or not some tenants, some people ask me and send me an email saying like, can you ask for like some horror stories or some of the stuff? <laughs> so I think like you're the perfect guest for this. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know where to begin. There's, there's so many and they keep piling up too. So one of the worst ones I had was with, it was with a fourplex in Hamilton. And I had this, this old, this old man that had been there for like before I started property management, he had lived there for like 20 years. It always been in this one unit. This guy paid rent all the time, like paid on time, never an issue with this guy. But across the hall from him, I had people that like I was trying to get out. I'd already given them eviction notice. They were into like some weird drugs and like, like I, was, I was trying to get them out. Anyways, so one day I get a call from the tenant below where this old man lives and is like, there's like a party going on upstairs. Like I can't sleep. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, Mr. Wong, like, are you like, yeah, he's not having a party. So what's going on. And then uh, after doing a little bit of research, I found out that well, his ex-wife contacted me and said that he had passed away and, but he didn't, he had cancer, but he didn't want to die here. He wanted to go back to Vietnam and die there, but he didn't tell anyone. I had no idea he left the country to go back and, and die in his home country. Mm-hmm. So he had died, but now these people across the street knew, across the hall knew this. So they moved in their friends were like, hey, this guy's dead. He's not coming back. Like, go stay in this unit. So now I have all these people staying in this unit. I'm like, oh, like, so I have no idea what to do. So I phone police. I'm like, this is a situation. These people have no right to be there. This guy died. This is a whole thing. And luckily the police were on my side and were like, yeah, no, totally. Let's go there. We'll get them out right now. So like, I didn't have to go through any landlord, nothing like. Lucky. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I go there with the police and we're like, they're knocking on the door. And they're like, Brantford police. And like, they're like, oh, do you have a key to the unit? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll go get it. And it was around the back of the building in a basement, like in a storage unit. 
I had a lockbox there. So as I'm walking out, like going downstairs, walking around, I realize like there's a fire escape at the back of the building. I'm like, these guys are probably going to go down the fire escape and like, I'm going to run into them halfway. You know what I mean? Like the police are knocking on the door and I'm like freaking out. And I go and I get the keys. I did not run into them. But I just remember like, this was a property management client. I'm like, I, I'm going to make $60 for this. And like, this is crazy. Like putting my life on the line here. <laughs> so I get the keys. I go back up. And we opened the front door and they had this massive knife like jammed in the door casing at the front door. I'm like, so they were like, we're ready for people to come to the front door. I'm like, it's like, thank God I came here with the police and they weren't there at the time. The police like went through their stuff, found contact information, ended up calling them and being like, look, we know you guys were here. We know you're like who you are. We're changing the locks. If you guys come back, we we're going to charge you. Right. So we took all our stuff, we put it outside, I changed the locks and that was it. But that yeah. was, that freaked me out. Yeah. And so um, this was not even one of your like properties. This was a property you were managing for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I'm like, man, property management, it is a thankless job. That's for sure. Yeah. And yeah, with property management, like sometimes the owners are like, I, I try to be, I try to go on the side of whoever's right. You know what I mean? Like sometimes the owners are like, are horrible, right? And I try to vet them as much as I can. Yeah. But yeah. And then on the other side, sometimes the tenants are wrong as well. So you're just like that middle man. Absolutely. So that, that's a pretty, that's a pretty horrible story. You've also mentioned you found a cat in the freezer. Yeah, that was another tenant that died. And the thing with when tenants die, like how you find out is they don't pay rent. You know what right. I mean? So you find like pay rent and then you go there give them eviction notice, knock on the door, still don't hear hear anything. Then you go back and you're like, what's going on, right? And then the thing to do there is uh, you phone the police and you ask for a wellness check. And uh, the, because I, I like, if I'm ever suspicious of somebody died or something, I'm not gonna be the first one to walk on the door. So you phone the police, get a wellness check, meet the police there and, and you go in with them. Anyways, we went in and we actually found nobody was there, but then I found out through one of her emergency contacts that she had gone to the hospital and passed away. So, but anyways, now it's like, okay, now you have to find, like, get the family to take all the possessions out. You can't right. just, like, throw all people's things, you know what I mean? So there's a waiting period there. Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. We'll be right back. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment and pause the podcast interview here because I wanted to introduce you to Dahlia Barsoom of Streetwise Mortgages. I am a big believer, as you guys probably have heard, work with a mortgage broker. They are going to help you scale. And when I was first growing in real estate investing and looking to buying my second property and my third property, I was going directly to the bank then. I hadn't met Dahlia yet. And I actually was hitting a roadblock when it came to financing because the bank started asking me for 25% as the down payment. And then for my third property, they wanted 35%. And it was really, really hard for me to A, understand why it was creeping up like that. And B, I didn't have 35% to put down. I had 20%. And luckily, I actually met Dahlia at that point in time. And Dahlia is actually an investor herself, and she's works with many, many investors. And she knows all the pitfalls and the barriers that normally come up with dealing directly with a bank and all the different lenders. 
And Dahlia was actually able to not just find me proper alternatives, but I've got nine properties now and I'm still able to get financing with A lenders and it allows me to be able to scale up without hitting the financing wall. And so she's been a tremendous help. So the other thing I really, really enjoy is Dahlia also does a free goals analysis. So if you go to either my website or her website, streetwisemortgages.com, mention the podcast and ask for the free goals analysis. It was a game changer for me. And it allowed me to actually understand what I needed to do, how many properties I was going to get because of the cash flow that I was looking for. If you guys wanted to reach out to Dahlia, you can reach out to her by email, which is info at streetwisemortgages.com. Or you can actually reach out to her on the website at streetwisemortgages.com. And then just go to the contact section. And you can also call her at 1-800-208-6255. Thanks for listening and back to the show. Back to the show. Where should I invest? Real estate investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larvey. So can we talk about that? Because I mean, you're in Ontario. A lot of listeners are in Ontario as well. Like what is that process exactly? So it's about uh, 30 days. You, you got to wait and you have to track down the family the best you can. I've had to track down family. The farthest was Scotland. And that was very like another tenant that had passed away. All my tenants died. <laughs> it's horrible. But yeah, it was a tenant. I had to, his only next of kin, he had nobody in Canada. So it was in Scotland. So I had to talk to this family in Scotland and I had to go take pictures of all this guy's stuff and see if they wanted anything and arrange for this stuff to be shipped to Scotland. Again, this is oh, just you, a property management pay? client. Did you have no I I did not. The the person family member paid for it, but I had to actually do it, right? But yeah, that was also another property management client. So it's like it's a it's a lot of work <laughs> for not that much money. But right. So so what what happened to this cat in your freezer though? So clean? anyway, so that actually so I'm cleaning out that unit eventually and cleaning it out and it was like she had lived there for a long time and yeah, you open the freezer and there's, you kind of got to figure out what it is. And then you find it's a cat and it's like disgusting. Like it was, the fridge was all covered in mold and filthy. So you don't even try, you just throw out the whole freezer, obviously. But yeah, that's uh, that was a different one yeah. for sure. <laughs> now for your own properties and your first one, you seem to have gotten lucky with a tenant. Have you had much luck with your tenants have you had any issues with your tenants how to i mean i obviously don't say who and where but what about yours yeah so i've had uh in my personal tenants i've i've been pretty lucky i've had some it was through the organization i've had one like i tried to do something different with the organization and it didn't pan out and then i ended up with just a bit of a disaster on my hands i had to go through the eviction process which is is never fun but part of the job but no for my my personal properties, I've had good good experience with my tenants. And like, I'm very, uh, like I'm probably a little too like connected with my tenants, but like, they're all like, we have very good relationship and yeah, like they treat me well. I treat them well. You probably have a, a screening process and whole process now, especially with a property management company. Can you give us some tips on some of the, the things that you do to screen and find the right tenants? Yeah. So like when we're finding a tenant, like I always do open houses just because it saves, saves a lot of time. And then when you do have a candidate that looks good, first thing I always do is check references. The last thing that I do is check credit 
I, whatever is going to cost me money, obviously I do at the end. Cause you can, usually I find references are my best source for, for how this potential tenant is going to be. So check all the references, never trust anything that they give you as far as phone numbers, employment, always look everything up yourself, Google search their, their company, phone the company, and then ask to speak to that person that they've referenced. Don't always go to the previous landlord. Always try and get like full rental history. So like two landlords back. Because a lot of landlords will lie to you and be like, yeah, they're great. It's amazing. That's only because they've just, they've been trying to get them out for so long. I mean, they're not going to tell you they're horrible, right? No, that's um, a great, great point. I am a big believer on putting more emphasis on the past and the past, past landlords over the current. Yeah. I mean, whether usually it's when they're bad that they're going to say, yeah, they're great. I mean, not necessarily yeah. the other way around, but regardless, you're not fully getting the, the entire story and yeah. uh, everyone's going to have a bit of a different process. But as long as your sounds like your process is pretty thorough. I mean, you you're doing it for a lot of <laughs> other people, other investors as well, part of the property management company. And you know, that is a big piece is your, your screening process because you get a bad tenant in Ontario, especially as a new as a new landlord or a new investor, it can really ruin your experience. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a long like I've I've gone right to the very end of eviction a few times where you go there with the police and like they have to like leave and just whatever they can carry in their hands pretty much and mm-hmm. leave the premises. I've had that a couple of times. So that's also with like a lot of times when people get property management, it's because they have a horrible situation and can't deal with it anymore and like now they're gonna like get management in place so usually i've never got like a great situation really right off the bat there's always something right so if somebody was looking to hire a property manager or a management company like what are some of the things that you think they should consider look or asking that property manager before they go ahead and sign the agreements it's that's a tough one because there's like with property management, there's there's different styles. Like for me, why I started the property management company, initially I'd hired a company in Hamilton and for one of, I think it was my second property that I had. And I, I was very frustrated with them because it was like they had a departmental structure basically. So they had somebody in accounting, they had somebody in maintenance, they had somebody in marketing, they had all these people that were in charge of all these different sections, right? And every time I wanted to talk right? It'd be like, okay, well, let me transfer you to this person. And then let me transfer you to this person. I'm like, why can't, why does nobody have the whole picture of what's going on? And I want like one point of contact to have a five minute conversation and figure out what's happening with my property. So when I had my company, that's one thing, like I have just property managers, like uh, that kind of know the whole picture. They can talk about the tenant, talk about, they can talk to with the tenant or they talk to the owner. They, they know the whole uh, scenario for what's going on with that property. So the different structures of how it's laid out, fees are, that's another reason why I did start my property management company is because like they, you get feed to death with a, with a lot of them where they charge you for every little thing, every time they go to property. And I'm like, what, what is my management fee really paying for? What is that money doing? If any action you take costs me extra money. So right. I charge a little bit higher on the management side, but like it's, it's pretty much a flat fee. So, and then like just costs and stuff like that talk about their vetting process. Like I know some people like to check credit right off the bat. That's their thing. They want to like, that's their main thing is credit score. If they have an above 700, then that's their green light. For me, I start opposite. Like I said, references, the last thing I do is credit check. I'm actually the same as you too. I do that. Credit check is what's going to cost you money. 
Yeah, I do the credit piece last. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't expect tenants to have the best credit. I expect it to be yeah. nothing recent that's bad, but yeah. I would like I would take a so-so mediocre credit and the rest to have to be A plus and take a chance on that. And that's what I like, that is what I do. I mean, I want to make sure that all the rest of this stuff checks out. You yeah. know, one phone bill that's gone to collections five years ago or four years ago. I mean, okay, yeah. never, you know? And, and the big thing with that too, is asking the tenant, like before you run their credit, yes. if you get to that stage, be like, Hey, look, I'm gonna run your credit. Is there anything like that you should you know, know? What should I be expecting? Right. And a lot of times, if they do have a like bad credit score, they have a reason. Like, you know what I mean? That we build. If they say it's great and it's horrible, then that's that's a red flag. Right. But if they're like, oh, this happened, like I got stuck with this car payment because I got divorced or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Things happen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good if they tell you at least ahead of time. And usually, what I do is like, I'll do the the KGG post and then I have them to answer specific questions. Then I screen them out after based on their questions and I call certain ones. And yeah, then yeah. during that call is when I let them know what the process is going to look like even before they see the property that I'm going to be pulling credit, doing like reference checks, et cetera. Is yeah. there any of that that would be a concern? And then often they'll actually open up at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's great. I've had some that are like, yeah, you know, my, my current landlord might not say the greatest things or my past one because like we went to the, the courts and I'm, and so like you have to just be careful that you don't discriminate on certain things, but you can, you can never be at fault for being the disorganized landlord that forgot to call them back to set up the next step. So yeah, that card. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So that, that's really cool with the, the property management. Now, would you recommend that somebody start a property management company? I mean, if there's somebody that's listening to this saying, I've got some properties already. So my friends or, or people are asking me or is it not something you recommend? I remember when I was starting mine and I, my coach at the time was Julie Broad. And I was like, I think, I think I'm gonna start a property management company, right? Like, I'm like, oh, this could be profitable. I like that you get paid every month. Like, it just, it looked like pretty easy business to forecast. So, and she was like, Eric, don't do it, man. That is the worst. And she kept being like, don't do it. Get into anything else. Get into coaching. Get, become a realtor. Like, don't become a property manager. And I, I went against her and I was like, man, maybe I, I should have listened to her. <laughs> it is, it's a very thankless job. Right. And I find owners too are, they're a lot of, like, it's a lot easier to be like a jerk if you're not the one dealing with the tenant. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. they're not the one that has to go tell the tenant, like, they're not going to fix their bathroom or whatever you know what i mean like i don't know someone like it's easier when you have that median like to go through me and that yeah i don't know property management is it's a tough business so i think if i read through the lines basically if you're crazy go ahead and do it <laughs> yes yeah and... pretty much if you're yeah it's a tough job for sure yeah. and you see a lot of crazy things like and you see some more like i've seen like domestic dis like disturbances and like abuse and like if, when you get into like bigger multifamily units, you become like babysitter for like tenants disputes. Like, oh, this dog is crapping on my lawn. And like, I had the one person, the dog was like crapping on the lawn and it was right below this guy's kitchen window, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, all I smell is crap in my kitchen. And oh. uh, he's, so he went and told the lady, he's like, I don't, like, I know your dog has school, but like, can you just like pick it up or like, mm -hmm. don't let her poop like under my window, right? And the lady picked up all her poo and put it on his front door. Like, 
And then like, that's what I'm dealing with. I'm like, why am I dealing with this? Like, this is like a, it's not my job. Like, but that's who they call. Like, I'm the guy like, oh, I'll call the property manager on you. You know what I mean? Like, so you end up like babysitting more when you get in bigger multifamily stuff and noises and like people bouncing balls and kids and crazy. A paid babysitter basically for adults. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, the one step before calling the police, they phone the property manager. (laughs) (laughs) So how long, okay. So how long have you had this property management company now for? Since 2015. Have you gone on vacation since then? Yes. Okay. I have. I've gone on like a lot of vacations. Okay, so how do you do it managing these these other properties? So I have actually, I have a property manager that works for me. And this is probably like the best thing I ever did. So like talk about those organizations that I work with. I hired the social worker that was in charge of housing to come work for me. So I plucked her from that company. Nice. So now she works for me. And having like full out social worker working for you as a property manager there's no better person to talk to tenants and like mm-hmm. disarm situations. And it's, it's great. So she's a big, big help. Uh, a lot of things you can do remotely too. Like a big thing with me is everything is online. Like all my system is online. So I really can kind of work from anywhere other than actually going to the property. But if tenants have an issue, they know to go online, put in a maintenance request. Like there's an app, they can like take a picture with their phone. It'll be sent to me. I'll see what the issue is. Work order. I see my vendors. And I have like very good relationships with all my vendors. So they know like they just go, they contact the tenant. They schedule a time to go there. I tell them what priority this job is in. Like if it's high priority, emergency, stuff like that. And so then this, this app though, is that your app or is that an app that any one of us can get? That's a, it's, it's a service. So every, pretty much every property management company uses a different property management software or online subscription service. I use Buildium for, for everything because they really, they partner with a lot of other companies related to property management and everything's really in one spot. It's kind of expensive, but like you get the app and you get, mm-hmm. you get a whole bunch of stuff with it. So it's, I try and do everything online so that it, it's much easier. I don't have to go everywhere. You know what I mean? And having like big thing with property management is your vendors, like having really good vendors, like handyman, hands down the most important. You have to have a very good handyman that you trust and is reliable and that shows up. That's, that's your main person. Pest control people, they're like, I have companies, I have like my list of companies I go through, but they're all kind of the same. I think the most important is your handyman. Sometimes like a lot of landlords want to do things themselves. As you get bigger, it's just not, it's not possible. Like No. And most of them don't cost that much. Like if you get a good one and it's, they're local, I mean, yeah, it is like you said, like probably the, the person that you're going to call most often, like, yes, you'll have your electrician here and there and you'll, you'll have your plumber and your HVAC person, but there's always something that needs fixing. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, how many doors you manage and you have, you're probably hiring them almost full time. <laughs> yeah, I know my handyman is almost like he's almost full time. I'm actually in a bit of limbo, not limbo right now, but my handyman that worked for me from the beginning where I like, I dispatch this guy all the time and like, great relationship and he ended up moving to Quebec Mm. like he had opportunity there he ended up buying his own building there and a restaurant 
And he's like, this is going to be my life now. I'm not doing like any man stuff anymore. So I'm like, oh, good for you. Like very like happy for you. I'll come visit. But like, man, like I'm going to yeah. miss some of this. <laughs> the good ones are hard, are hard to find though. Yeah. Like, the ones that are the right price are hard to find. But the one that's our right price. But the biggest thing is reliability. Like show yeah. up when you say you're going to show up and do the job, right? Like, and yeah. the ones that you can trust that are also going to be good with tenants. Where right. like they know how to talk and like are personable. You know what I mean, Absolutely. that's what you want. So that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. I think is is your handyman. For sure. Um, so how has real estate changed your life? It's yeah, it's, it's had a huge, huge impact on my life. Like I started out like I started construction when I was sixteen. I started out like plumber, licensed plumber and gas fitter. I was doing like really, really big construction jobs. Like I got a supervisor and stuff like that. And I always, I've always wanted to be like my own boss, entrepreneur. When I was a kid, like I used to clean cars all the time. I used to like cut everybody's grass, like work in their backyard. I was always, I had some hustle going. But yeah, real estate was like the best vehicle I found to take me from where I was to like where you, you can be worth quite a bit of money, like to build the most wealth. For sure. Like, and with freedom as well. Like you have some months which are amazing. Nothing goes wrong. Everybody just pays rent. And it's like, I didn't have to do very much this month. This is great. And then you have other months where when it rains, it pours and like, you are just, it's crazy. But yeah, no, I've been able to have like pretty good life. Like I travel a lot in the year, like last summer, I was in France, France for like two and a half weeks. I was in Italy, Spain, Portugal. I was gone for like, and then I came back. I was back here for a couple of weeks. And then I went to PEI for a couple of weeks. Uh, oh, wow, year, be- okay. year before that, I was in Hawaii. And we go to New York, me and my wife, quite often, like pretty much a couple times a year. My wife is like big into musicals. She does musicals herself. She's in acting and, and that that world. So we go to New York. Uh, we, we travel quite a bit. So well, is she into the real estate like you as well? Or is like, no. No, not at all. We are, we are very opposite. She's like, she's acting, singing, yeah, musicals, stuff like that. So yeah, she's, she's not in the real estate, but she trusts me a lot, which is very good because like being in real estate, especially like when you start, like it's, it's very risky. You know what I mean? Like you take a lot of chances. At least I take, I took a lot of chances to, to, to grow. I mean, like I went full time and it's, you gotta, you gotta take some pretty big leaps that takes I'm very lucky to have my wife where she's like, yeah, go ahead. I trust you. Like, and I think I have a pretty good track record now where it's like, all right, sometimes things are going to be tight, but then we're going to get a lot of money and then <laughs> it'll be fine. So that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, cool. So the next part of this podcast is called our lightning round. So every guest gets the same five questions. Are you ready? I think so. <laughs> okay. Question number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book ever? More than cash flow. Okay. Number two, your favorite podcast. This one for sure for, for real estate. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks. (laughs) Number three, what do you do for fun aside from real estate? I sail. So in the summertime I race, I'm on crew for racing sailboats and then I do jujitsu and where do you do jujitsu? Extreme couture. It's in Etobicoke. Yeah. Okay. So I do, I do lessons there. Okay. All right. Very cool. I was just asking because my boyfriend Matt does it as well, but I think it's in Berlin. Oh, yeah. 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 No, there's a, there's a big one. I know Erwin does jiu-jitsu yeah. in Berlin. Yeah, he does the same one. <laughs> yeah. I know Erwin just competed at the beginning of January. He was asking if I was going to go to that one, but I was busy. But 
Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, cool. Number four. If you lost all your, if you lost all of your money and your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? How would I start again? I'd probably start where I started at the beginning. <laughs> I'd probably tackle commercial real estate right off the bat. Like I'd probably go go into larger larger buildings only because like the application structure I find is easier. It's, it's actually harder, but you can, you can get into bigger multifamilies without that much credit. So. Yeah. I mean, the property qualifies itself. Right. And so yeah. it, if the property does well, like on its own, then you, yeah. it's them, the property first and then you after versus residential where it's more about you. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much all on you. Yeah. And your income and all that. So that's, that's where I'd start. I'd start right at bigger commercial stuff. Okay. Number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend that they spend it? $50,000 definitely get into real estate. I don't recommend throwing all your money at it. Like always keep some money in reserve, obviously. And then yeah, get into whatever you can get in like condo, stack townhouse, anything like that. Just just get, get your foot in the door. There's lots of ways to, to do it. There's so many different ways to fund your deals now. Well, not so many, but like you can do joint ventures, private lending, probably private lending that you need something okay. to borrow against. But yeah. Okay, good advice. Yeah. That was our lightning round. So where can listeners find you if they wanted to reach out and know more about you, Eric? So there's equalpropertymanagement.ca, which is my website for property management. Now my personal properties is Glencarn Properties. So they can find me on Instagram there. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And Eric, any last words of advice or anything else that you would like to let the listeners know? Just, you just have to do it. Like you just got to take action. Like there is never the perfect time. Just, you just got to start, put one foot in front of the other and just go for it. So there you go. Go for it. That is the right thing <laughs> to do yeah. in order to move your life forward. Just do it and take action. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric, so much for being on the show. Really enjoyed having you. And you've got some really, really good stories. Good as in some pretty horrible, <laughs> yeah. horrible stories, but uh, yeah. Probably like how one goes up in the books of, of, of being up there <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the tenants partying in the suite of that person that passed away. So anyway, yeah. some pretty crazy stories. I'm sure you, we can talk about those for hours and hours and we'd, we'd love to have you back on at some point to let the listeners know about some more, some more stories that you've seen and heard and, and go from there. But thank you so much for being on today's show. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster 
and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.